Folks, you know you're in for a treat when you hear that tune because it's time for another week of the Rec Poker Podcast. This is the Chats edition uh, where we ha- have an interview with a person in the poker world. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking to Gareth James. But before we get into the interview, I've got to make a few things clear. First of all, we're so appreciative of the support from Mark Prashan over at Website Amp and the Running Aces Hotel Racetrack and Casino. Uh, we couldn't do it without them. Uh, they're our sponsors, and we depend on their support for everything we do here, just like we depend on our premium members. We got a new premium member this week, Tun Hung. So I'm looking forward to getting to know Tun better. I haven't had a chance to uh, uh, meet them yet, but I know that we are looking forward to growing our premium membership like we do week after week. And uh, I hope, Tun, you get a chance to dip your toe into some of the awesome stuff that we have going on over here. Um, just like every week, I'm joined by the Wrecking Crew. Uh, John Somsky, I don't know if you can see there's some comment in the YouTube chat about uh, sound. And John's sitting in for our normal producing co-host, Chris Jones. Um, <laughs> um, <clears throat> and if you don't know what the Wrecking Crew is all about, the Wrecking Crew is the core team of folks that hang out here every week, every month, contributing their uh, time, their expertise. They help create the training videos, a lot of the uh, strategy sessions, the study groups that we do. They help us plan what the future is going to look like for Rec Poker. And um, uh, we couldn't do it without the Wrecking Crew. So if you want to find out more about me, uh, my name is Jim Reed, Bluffsterini in the home game, and at Rec Poker Jim on Twitter. While there still is Twitter, um, may as well go and have some fun over there. You can follow the show at Rec Poker as well. Um, but if you want to know more about the Wrecking Crew members in particular, you can go to rec.poker slash crew, and you'll see a list of all sorts of Wrecking Crew members there, um, from the OGs like John and Rob, who we've got on the show tonight, uh, to some of our newer members, um, folks like uh, Daro Kearney, um, Gareth James, Kevin Mathers, uh, Keith Brandt, um, Kim Kilroy, and we've got uh, a few new Wrecking Crew members coming right around the corner as well. Maybe you'll get a chance to meet them sometime soon. I'm hoping next week. In the meantime, like I say, you can go to rec.poker slash crew, or you can listen up because you're going to hear from Rob and John right now to introduce themselves. I know John's working on the audio. Uh, Rob, why don't you jump in first? Well, he's got the audio working because I just heard it. So Nice. <laughs> Must be working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've right. got the uh i i'm okay i'm rob washam and i'm Radman 50 almost everywhere and i'm john somsky i'm poker geek mn everywhere and i am your failing producer for the day <laughs> everyone has to take a turn screwing up the audio cues here on the rec poker podcast john you have nothing to be ashamed of now you're officially part of the team <laughs> uh so, yeah, of course, we have to get something wrong on the show every week or else it wouldn't be what it is. Um, we had a little audio uh, bloop there for some of our live YouTube watchers. So thanks for the uh, comments here. I see we've already got a pretty good showing in the YouTube chat. Phil, Dave, Martha, Joe, uh, a couple others. So thanks for sticking with us. So uh, Gareth James is going to be our guest tonight. Um, Gareth is on a very different time zone than we are. We record these in North America. He's active in uh, Europe and particularly in the UK. And so we couldn't actually get him to uh, get together for this time of the show, unfortunately. So our YouTube subscribe, YouTube watchers here, um, we're going to interview Gareth uh, a little later in the week and edit his uh, interview into the show. So you're not going to be able to watch his interview live tonight, unfortunately, but all that means is that we're going to be able to get to our draw uh, that much faster. We'll get to hear about some home game results and some other fun stuff that's happening in the rec poker world uh, that much faster. You can all get home to your families that much faster. And when the um, audio version comes out on Friday, you'll be able to hear uh, from Gareth. Then we're going to be talking about responding to three bets. We're going to be talking about training like the pros, which is uh, one of the new courses that he's been working on. And, uh, of course, that YouTube video will be up 
on Friday as well. So um, I guess why don't we just uh, let our amazing engineering team, uh, Renz and Roger, uh, do their work behind the scenes. And it'll be like magic. When we come back, it'll be as if we've already had the interview. And uh, uh, through the magic of editing, our audio listeners and our future YouTube watchers will have uh, uh, an uninterrupted program that I'm looking forward to. All right. Well, here we are. I'm so excited to be welcoming back to the show, Gareth James. Uh, Gareth, you're a, a professional player. You're a coach. Uh, you've got the training site and all the amazing courses and stuff that you offer there. Um, I know you've got some other cool little ideas uh, percolating that are coming out over the next little while. Um, but first of all, I just wanted to welcome you back to the show. Thanks for coming back on the Rec Poker Podcast. Well, I appreciate the, the invitation. I must have done all right on the uh, on the previous episodes to to get this to to be you know to be reinvited. Yeah, that's a real feather in your cap. I know this must feel like the pinnacle of your poker journey. You're being reinvited onto the Rec Poker Podcast. So, congratulations. Well, thanks. I mean, they always say like the first the first in, invite is the hardest, but actually, the I don't know what this is. The third, fourth. I'm not sure. you, yeah, How many times yeah. have I been on now? <laughs> it's got to be three or four. I think you're right. Yeah, I think so. Well, you've got a great um, way of communicating. I know with all sorts of skilled players, but also your uh, your background as an educator, I think really suits you for uh, working with recreational players and players that kind of need to have things really kind of broken down and explained to them on a recreational level. Um, so you've got, uh, let's let's dive right into the new course that you've got out there, train and play like the pros. And I think that's what everybody wants to do, right? Like we all want to be able to play like the pros. And I think people don't appreciate the amount of work that goes into training like the pros. Um, right. So yeah. can you talk just a little bit about sort of what made you decide to take that approach to it? And then we'll tease out maybe some of the concepts without giving too much valuable information away here on the show. Sure thing. So there are so many training sites out there. Uh, and I think that if you already have a really good approach to training and studying, and maybe we can sort of dissect the difference uh, yeah. later on. Great. But there's if you've already got a good approach, then you um then you'll be able to get a lot out of the material that's out there. The the major issue that I saw with with the training sites that exist is they have a, a you know a catalog or library of of content but how do you know where you want to start how do you know mm -hmm. where you specifically need to start um and there's definitely this idea of uh, unconscious incompetence which mm. is i'm sure you know but maybe if you know if no for our listeners, our listeners no please are, refresh us yeah, yes maybe don't know what it is it's basically you don't know what you don't know right so this is where a coach can be really helpful and highlight areas for your development um so yeah identify your leaks so uh that you didn't even know existed and that's uh that's where i think many of the training sites kind of um fall down they might have some you know maybe like a some ideas about uh database review but what we do in in training play out the pros and what i really wanted to focus on was making sure that you um you knew or you know as uh, a member of the program exactly what it is that you need to focus on straight away so you're going to get the biggest bang for your buck there's no point you jumping into a course and you know i've got a course and i this was some of the feedback that i got from it there's just like there's just a whole host of videos and content and downloadable materials and then but like where do you start how are you going to get the most out of it and um so what we do is we identify your biggest leaks and then point you in the right direction to then consume consume the content and this, this idea um i guess it came from some of the stuff we talked about in Purposeful Practice for Poker, the book I wrote with Dr. Trisha Cardner, where you talk about like um, sort of working out where you're at right now and what it is that you're struggling with that you need to to work on. This is more sort of streamlined and, and focused on on you know pre-flop and post-flop leaks, and then okay, we you know for example that you're not opening enough from late position, you're overfolding in the big blind, you're folding too much to three bets, um, you're not c-betting enough in position, you're c-betting too much out of position, um, you're overfolding versus c-bets and things like this. So as soon as we know that, then there's a really clear sort of directive as to you know where you need to go. So what? How do you? Um, so how does someone find out what they need to be working on? Like as I think you're saying that that unconscious uh, incompetence where we don't know what we don't know. Um, I, I've spoken to a lot of different coaches and even in my own coaching, I feel like that's the key aspect. And and it's 
it seems like the easiest way to do that is just by like conversing, like having a dialogue mm. with somebody. Obviously, that doesn't scale very well. Um, mm. But is, what what are sort of some ways that we can kind of look inwardly and uh, or or get some help to look inwardly and see what what like how can we find out what those areas are? Yes, yeah, so, I mean there are a number of ways. the The main way that we look at it in in this program is um, by focusing on your current stats. So. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, essentially a database review but really focused on specific stats that then can um be sort of um sort of show you exactly what it is that you you need to focus on and with this review um it's really important that we focus on the the big outliers if you you know let's say that you know roughly you want to be opening about 50% of hands from the button and you're opening 48 or 52 you probably don't need to work on the button. What we're trying to do here is to focus on things that you're, you're where you're way off. You know, yeah. We have players come into the program who are opening like 26% from the button. Like that could never be right, even in uh, not across the board, like in certain situations, absolutely from the button. You sure. should be opening 26%. You know, final table, uh, opening into a couple of big stacks, you're a medium stack, there's some short stacks at the table. But uh, yeah, on the on the whole, that's going to be way too tight, right? So this, you know, it's really simple, um, but sometimes you need... You need it to be spelled out like this. So you go through the process of, of identifying leaks with a, with a database review, and you're looking for the big, the big, big outliers. And the most common ones tend to be like, you know, not opening enough from, from late position, as I mentioned before, overfolding the yep. big blind. Um, so you can, you know, you could go into database and you could look at big blind versus late position. Um, certainly in Poker Tracker, you can do big blind versus cutoff open, big blind versus button open. And you can just see how how often you're your uh calling folding three bedding jamming oh well uh, i might not show you jamming but you know calling folding three bedding um would you know, be a good good place to start and you can compare that to some pre-flop charts uh if you've mm-hmm. got access to them and you can just see okay yeah so this is saying that i should defend let's say 80 percent of the time and i'm folding 50 percent of the time so i'm probably not getting this right so this is an area uh to to work on other ways that you can do, I mean, there's yeah, lots of different ways. I think getting into uh, discussions, so having a study group and, and being able to articulate your ideas and also almost like defend your ideas. So mm-hmm. rather than, you know, I, I've seen it sometimes where uh, groups will kind of just say, okay, what, you know, what do you do here? Oh, I, I three bet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And then they move on, but that's not going to be that, uh, that helpful for identifying areas. If somebody said to you, okay, um, oh, that's interesting. You're choosing to three bet there. Why is, you know, why is that? And then you go, oh, I don't know, it's just a three bet. Well, then you probably <laughs> don't understand the spot well enough. And that could be an area to focus on. So that you go, okay, yeah, I'm three betting here because I'm thinking for value, or I can generate folds from better hands, or I am getting the blinds to fold and you know, sort of denying equity to players behind. If I just flat, they have an opportunity to squeeze and things like this. So you're just expanding the I guess your own ability to articulate your thought process but that comes from an understand like a deeper understanding of of the spot yeah we talk about on the show quite a bit about how um you your brain has to kind of uh interact with the concept differently when you are the one explaining it versus Mm. when you are the one just hearing it and having that kind of active engagement with the concept putting it in your own words having to defend it like you say um It'll either tell you that you don't understand it properly, or it might, you know, lead you to some insights um, as to why it might be applicable or, or relevant in the spot. Like I know in um, in journalism and in some other uh, fields like that, they have the red team, um, which is basically uh, uh, trying to find the faults in the argument, trying to like proofread, trying to um, uh, make sure that there aren't any errors in the argument before you take it live. Um, mm. And so it, there's this there's this kind of sense of opposition, but really you're on the same team. You're just trying to provide the best possible argument, um, mm. and that takes some critical analysis. Um, so that's great. And I think that's something that I think people have a lot of trouble doing without other people around, right? Like without having a community or or a coach or um, even just a forum, because um, if we are only ever analyzing our own subjects our own thoughts ourselves we're not going to be able to bring that kind of outside perspective Um, so i can Mm. see why that's that's really important and it seems to me just intuitively that online players that have a a database like poker tracker 4 or something um, it's going to be a lot easier for them to take this kind of big picture approach Um, if players are playing more live and they don't have that kind of you know the reliable narrator of poker tracker 4 that can look at everything um 
do you think that it's a bigger problem that they just don't have their own reliable idea of what their actions have been and what their actions, what their leaks are? Or is it a bigger deal that they just have a smaller sample size of available information? Or like, what are some hurdles uh, when you're working with players that don't have that big online database? I mean, it's a great, it's a great question because we've had so many people come and say, this program looks incredible, but I don't play online. So right. what have you got for me? And, and to be honest, at the moment, we don't have anything. It, it is much more challenging if you're just playing live because you don't have that database of hands. You don't have a reliable sample for me to look at and say, this is what is going wrong right now. So it's, it's definitely more challenging um, for for live players. I mean, that's when I I, I I work with a couple of live players, but it's more on a one-to-one basis. It becomes mm-hmm. uh, more challenging to um, to you know to to have it in a sort of a, a group setting like the you know the training play like the pros is a group coaching program but you're expected to work on your own game because it's you know these are leaks that you've identified that are unique to you um but then you come together to you know there's you know group study and there's coaching calls and uh, we've got a great discord community and we you know there's there's opportunities to articulate your thought process again and and sort of share what you've learned and support other people but yeah i definitely think it's it's much harder for for live players also just in terms of just having not played as many hands as players mm-hmm. who play online i always mm-hmm. encourage live players that come along and they say oh i only play live like, should i play online i say 100 percent. like even if you play super low stakes like they're a lot lower than you normally would you're just really trying to get in um, a sample size. And that's not just because I want you to have a database so that you can join my program. It's so that you actually know that you're, you're getting into a lot more spots and situations that are going to come more, come up uh, very frequently. You know, if you play a live tournament, you just don't play as many hands. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and in, in our in our own coaching programs, I feel like um, when when players are predominantly live, when their experience is, is almost exclusively live, you really kind of do rely on the conversation with them to sort of understand how they think about poker uh, by their decisions and like going, going street by street through a hand. Um, but you're just, you're never going to be able to take that big picture look at it because you're always dealing with a series of discrete um, decisions. So I'll just say like one thing, that's one of the things I love about our rec poker home game series um, where we play 10 free play money home games every week um, at different yeah. hours throughout the day for people in different time zones it's a play money series, but everyone who's in it is there to learn. So they're taking it seriously. They're trying to apply things they've learned in their studies. They're trying to put themselves in uncomfortable positions so that they can learn from it. And it's free. So it kind of has that ability. You have that ability to put some hands in, to gather a bit of a database, to put yourself in those positions without it costing you anything. Um, so I, and whether it's the rec poker home league or um, another home game league or something like that, or just playing one, two uh, or micro stakes online, I, I really couldn't agree more with you, Gareth. That's uh, um, to be able to get that kind of objective data is pretty priceless when you're trying to decide how to move forward. Yeah, I think there's a feed, uh, idea of feedback as well. So within poker, the easy, like the most obvious bit of feedback is whether you won or lost a hand. The problem is that right. it doesn't tell you whether or not you played the hand well or you played the hand badly. Mm-hmm. So I think, I, I do think there's a correlation. This might be like a really uh, big statement for me to say, but live players do tend to, uh, you know, newer live players, not the, you know, the pros who play live regularly and also have an online background, but, you know, newer players who who primarily play live they tend to, um, you know, their their feet, their ideas about hands are based too much on the result of the hand rather than yes. the, um, you know, whether it was right or wrong. And it's very and it's hard. It's hard to to get that that feedback when like the most obvious bit is whether you won or lost the hand. Like you can, you know, you it's like sometimes it's difficult to tell the brain even like okay, well I know that I played this hand well, I just lost it, and that's that's just how it goes sometimes. Yep, I think that makes it's exactly correct. Um, and it can kind of reinforce some bad habits. If mm. we get positive results a few times from doing something, and then, you know, of course, we think this is a winning strategy, right? This is a winning play. But uh, um, that's just not the way to learn. That's not the way to study. So let's talk a little bit, you mentioned kind of the difference between um, training versus studying. What do you mean when you say that? And, and uh, break that down for us a little? Sure. So um 
I think generally people have this idea they're like, okay, I want to get better at poker. So therefore I'm going to study. And then they want to study and they go, okay, what, what does, what does that look like? Is it watching training videos and making notes? Is it listening to a podcast? Is it um, watching a Twitch stream? And so these are, or is it reading a book? Um, these are reasonable ways of, uh, of approaching study. And I think that uh, sometimes study is, is really good, but I think training kind of takes things to a, to another level. So training in my view my eyes is uh to actually almost put yourself in a situation that comes up you know quite frequently so you you, you end up like using software like dto or uh pyo trainer or mm. gto wizard and, and setting up drills so you're actually focusing on playing the game how it would be how it would be played um and then you know you can because you you know if you were doing any kind of other sport for example you would do training drills rather than study and i think maybe uh there's this idea within poker where oh well, you can just watch a couple of training videos you know have a quick look at your own database see what's going on um oh yeah i played a couple of hands similarly to that yeah i think i understand this concept now but honestly you don't um you you have to then you know this is why we we have this idea of like identifying what your leaks are so i'll give you an example let's say that you're you, you realize you're not c-betting enough in position against the big blind so you go, okay, yeah, all right, well, I need to see better more. Then you can watch some content and you can study and you can say, right, okay, on these boards, this is where I'm going to see better more frequently. You can learn about the theory of bet sizing. So where do you use small bets? Where do you use, uh, when do you use big bets? When do you actually do some checking? So you can do all of that and you can study that. But unless you're actually then applying it to a drill, so again, like using the DTO, Pio Trainer, GTO Wizard, any of those uh, software, there are probably other ones available as well. And going, right, let's just do button versus big blind or low jack versus big blind and drilling 25 hands 50 hands uh, mm -hmm. a day in that spot then you that you're not really making sure that you you understand it properly so is it is it am i oversimplifying a bit when i say that sort of like studying is more about kind of introducing new concepts or like uh kind of like the abstraction of of the concepts and then drilling is more about applying them or sort mm. of like the me the mechanics of of, of application yeah, I get, yeah, I think application is the key word there. I think so. Mm. Study is almost like the theory, and yeah. training is about the practical application. So the actual, yep. the actual execution of the strategy that you've that you've learned about. So, um, yeah, being able to to access and and to uh, access the understanding and apply it in game in you know in real sort of real game situations. I think that's a real gap with a lot of recreational players, because as you've mentioned, there's like a wealth of information out there. There's training sites and videos and books and podcasts. Like there's so many ways we we, we could really inundate ourselves with new concepts and, and studying. But I think there's a real gap, particularly with recreational players, when it comes to knowing when and how to apply that stuff in real time at the table, or maybe even sort of feeling like, there's so many different factors at play here. It's hard to know like which ones to prioritize or which ones are, are more important for the specific spot. Um, mm. So the theme of the month here at Rec Poker this month is responding to three bets. And it's a good example of this because, um, you know, we talk, it, it's, it's very intuitive to have an opening range and it's very intuitive to have a three betting range. Um, most of those, you know, an opening range, you kind of decide yourself what your opening range is going to be. And a three betting range yourself, you kind of you have a sense of what your default three betting range is going to be like, and you might tweak it based on who the opener is and what their what their stats are, or what their um, uh, tendencies are. Mm -hmm. But responding to three bets feels like it's it's a lot less clear cut. It has a lot more to do with like who's the player making the three bets, um, and I think it's harder. And, and you know, often. The solution to responding to three bets, if it's a problem, is going to be taking some uncomfortable lines that are hard to kind of recreate while you're studying the the tension or the stress of like four betting light or having to, you know, choose to fold a hand that you would really like to see a flop with. Um, so what when when people are dealing with the theme of responding to three bets um, without without going into too much detail right off the bat, I guess. What are some of the things that you're thinking about? What, do you, what are some of the things that you think uh, recreational players should be thinking about when they're in a position where they're facing a three bet and deciding how to respond? Okay, yeah. I mean, there's so there's so much to unpack. 
Yeah, uh, it's a big one. <laughs> like, I mean, the from a basic point of view, are you in position or out of position? Yep. So you you get to 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 peel more against three bets when you're in position because you get to act last or second um on on each uh, on each street um the uh so that yeah position would be the, the 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 first one the size of the three bet as well mm-hmm. is obviously really important from a you know even just like an odds perspective but you know th- those things are related because if you face a small bet when you're small three bet when you're in position you're getting great odds and you get position and position means that you get to you, know, you have a better chance or ability to realize equity whereas you're out of position it becomes harder to do that um so those would be a a couple of things um in terms of you know how recreational players are going to approach it if they're playing other recreational players most players don't three bet enough yeah they're not aggressive enough which then should lead you to overfold. Certainly, if you've ever seen, you know, facing a three bet charts, they're, they're actually quite liberal in in the hands that you would continue with. But if, but if then if you look at the three bet range, that's also quite aggressive. So if you narrow that three bet range, your continuing range gets gets narrower as well. Um, and then you factor into that as you move deeper into the tournament you're facing a three bet. You should be when you're out of position, for example, you then should be looking to a four bet more frequently than you would call because you get into a uh, situation you know where there's suddenly there's risk premiums involved i mean right at the start of the tournament mm. the risk premiums are really really small but as you move closer to you know as you get closer to the bubble you know from the from the start of the tournament to the bubble the risk premiums is going to increase depends on yeah of course it depends on stack sizes and average stack sizes in the field um but what that means is that you don't really want to see a flop when you're out of position so you then have to play you know say 30 40 big blinds you might play more four bet jam strategies than you're comfortable with but then you couple that with players not three betting aggressively enough in the first place and then you think okay yeah well i've got a four bet jam i heard heard someone say on a podcast right well then you just end up jamming like hands you know into very strong ranges um which is yeah never never a good a good approach so I think it's good to, to to learn what the equilibrium solutions look like and and probably look at them in terms of uh you know chippy v but then deeper into the tournament you could do some final table stuff you could do mm-hmm. bubble spots you could do you could do any any situation really um and just see what the see what the differences are in strategies because there's a definite difference like for chippy v you can just peel more you can just call and play post flop whereas as soon as there's risk premiums involved you end up having to play, you know, play more aggressively and not and not uh, go for a, a too many calls. So there's, yeah, there's a there's a definite shift uh, in that, and I think it's potentially something that recreational players wouldn't even be aware of. Mm-hmm. So they might see a chart, they might see a chippy V chart, and think, okay, yeah, I'm just going to use this all the way until the final table, but that probably isn't going to be the the way you want to to approach it. But also, chippy V ranges are based on everybody playing like a solver would, right? recreational players might not play like that yeah and that's something that we have to sort of reinforce a lot um in our own programs as well that uh you know in most of the games we're playing and people are not playing gto and Mm -hmm. and a great example of that is that they're they're not three betting as widely as the gto ranges would say they're also not opening as widely in a lot of cases as the gto ranges would say so um i think some of our more thinking players kind of actually trap themselves a little by sort of owing this allegiance to balance or you know when it's not really applicable um or at least it's not the optimal strategy uh, in times like that so obviously you know when to four bet what hands to four bet with whether it's a polarized range or a linear range like that's going to depend a lot on on who the opponent is but let's try and let's just try and come up with a couple real simple rules for our, our listeners like you mentioned the kind of hands that you might choose to call a three bet with whether you are in position or out of position um is that like are there certain qualities of hands that make them good candidates for that because obviously we're folding our worst hands we're we're re-raising our very best hands of that middle range is it suitedness is it the fact that it's a pocket pair is it the ranking of the cards like what are some ways that we can just kind of give ourselves a general rule for oh these are the kinds of hands we might consider calling three bet with 
Yeah. So again, it's going to depend in position and out of position, of course. Um, but if we were in position, then looking for hands that do a better job of realizing equity is always going to be more favorable. Um, and you will see more calls when you're in position. So you yeah. raise from raising the blinds three bit. Uh, you will just see more more calls, uh, but then you know, from out of position, you raise and say the cutoff three bets. Uh, you'll see see more four bets. I mean, obviously, it depends on stack sizes as well. Sure. Um, I'm thinking like 30, 40 big blinds that could be like the kind of average or the deepest stack there is uh, deeper on into the uh, into the tournament. Um, but certainly, suited hands do a better job than off suited hands. Pairs tend to do very well. Um, but having said that, again, like deeper into the tournament, the value of flooding a three bet with a pair just just goes down um you know because it becomes more difficult to continue on on a, you know, a variety of of different boards um i would say like and then to take that one step one step further this kind of this idea of like well how do you choose your four bets then so let's mm-hmm. you know how do we how do we uh, think about that and that's something i actually um written quite uh, extensively on in my new book um hmm. i don't think i've mentioned that um no, no. The new book on the podcast no so no i'm, I'm excited new, to hear about it writing a new book called the final table uh and as the name suggests uh it's all about the final table uh so understanding the different strategies uh for a for a final table and one of the key ideas is you know if you're trying to choose a hand okay can i let's say you, you raise let's say you're playing 30 big blinds deep you raise and it doesn't matter whoever three bet but someone three bets and you're trying to decide what kind of hand do you like uh, that you can four bet jam? So you might look at a hand like pocket nines, for example. You say, "Can I jam pocket nines?" And you 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 can then say, "Right, if I jam pocket nines, is my opponent gonna is my opponent inducing with hands like ten um, uh, with hands that are worse than nines, right? So right. like eight, seven, sixes. If they're not, I'm not sure I can I can necessarily jam nines uh, in this uh, in this spot." So uh, we're then trying to work out, okay, well, what does their induced range look like? Maybe it's like ace-queen suited, ace-king, pocket tens. Well, we don't want to shove nines into that into that range. You know, Okay, we've got some fold equity on a four-bet jam because they're going to fold their bluffs. But when we do get called, we're in terrible shape. Mm-hmm. So if, then we might think, okay, rather than having pocket nines in this spot, is there a hand that I could shove here that does a better job at um against that that calling range so obviously you would choose like aces kings queens against uh, mm-hmm. and jacks against uh, tens plus and you would shove ace king because you can get called by ace queen suited and you're flipping against the pairs uh, and you block aces and kings but also there are some sort of what you might class as bluffs right so hands that then do better against the pairs than pocket nines so like um, a suited ace for example mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that also then um satisfies the this idea of blocking uh continues or blocking calls so they're calling with aces and ace king and you've got ace five suited or ace eight suited ace seven suited ace two suited then you uh suddenly block a lot of their um their calls so there are situations where on the face of it nines is a better hand than ace five suited and yet ace five suited is going to work out way better uh, to four bet jam than pocket nines that's great that's exactly the kind of tension that i'm talking about and i think people People get stuck on this notion that, oh, well, they're three betting me with a wide range so I can jam with some of these like middle pairs and hands like that. But the three betting range is important. But what's also important is their continuing range, the range that they continue with uh, to your four bet. And that's that's the part that we really have to pay attention to. Um, Yeah, we've talked about this before. I think there's this kind of tension between. So let's let's use the pocket nines example. They're like, uh, oh, well. You know, this isn't a strong enough hand to play uh, post flop. So I'm going to I'm going to add some fold equity to it by jamming here. And, you know, they might think that they're going to do that with a hand like King Jack offsuit or something as well that, that you know. Um, but then then there's this sense of but every time I'm called. I'm in terrible shape. So can you just explore a bit the tension between that kind of the, the, the good thing about adding fold equity, but the bad thing about what that means when you do get called? And obviously, you're going to get called a lot less when you've got a blocker in your hand or something like that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, ace five, you know, blockers are real, but they still have ace king or ace queen every once in a while. And it just feels like mm-hmm. some people just feel dumb or like they've made a mistake because the player just turned out with the kind of hand that they that they had dominated. So how do, how do we sort of reconcile those two concepts? 
Well, one is the majority of someone's three bet range is going to be for value, right? So right. the majority of the time when you go for it with Ace Five suited, you're going to run into it. Unfortunately, like okay, yeah, we can reduce the number of combos they call with a little bit by having an ace in a hand, but they're still gonna they're still gonna have those uh, have those hands. Um, there's not a lot you can do about that. I think you talked about it earlier about the sort of the uncomfortable nature of playing three bet pots. Mm-hmm. It tends to you know to what happens is you run into it, right? Oh, they always have it, you know, this kind of idea. Um, but they're going to have it a lot because they're three betting, right? And they're supposed to three bet strong hands so that's you know and then we get this kind of uh we talked about it earlier about the the, the feedback mm-hmm. the feedback is that they just have a very strong range and i always you know i flop top pair and i go with it and they've got aces and i bust uh but yeah i mean that's that's that, that's going to happen now if you're if that always is always happening and you've got a really good sample on that there could be a chance that you're over continuing you know you you look at ace queen for example uh for in chippy v would always call versus a three bet um and yet deeper on into the tournament ace queen might work out better as a uh you know small four bet or four bet jam or or even just a fold there are some some examples where you would just raise fold ace queen uh, ace queen mm-hmm. off specifically mm-hmm. um and yet there's this idea we raise and we get three bet and you've got ace queen and you know you imagine that someone's watching you and you, you can't ever fold that hand <laughs> but you kind of you need to move away from that you know if it's a fold it's a fold like and most of the time if you're playing online or even if you're playing live and you're not playing with whole cards up you know you're not on a live stream well no one's ever gonna know right so and it's just you you say oh you know i really don't want to have to tell somebody i folded ace queen to a three bet because that feels really really nitty but there are situations when it is appropriate and uh this is what we talked about right at the start about understanding why so you say okay i'm continuing the ace queen here because uh i'm worried about what other people will think about it right that's not that's not that's not a good argument but if you Mm -hmm. say okay i've got a fold here my risk premium is really high three betters got me covered there's a few short stacks on the table talking about final table now yes Um, then Folding ace queen is absolutely fine, and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. No one's going to go, oh, look at this guy, like folding ace queen versus a three bet. Because again, <laughs> most of the time, they're not going to know unless there's uh, whole cards up footage. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think people, you know, it's good for us to feel like accountable. Like we don't want to just be making whimsical plays without any reason for it. But I think uh, particularly the play the games that, that we're playing as recreational players, I don't think we should feel like beholden to this like, minimum defense frequency or you know um i can't and we even say sometimes like just fold and then never tell anybody just don't show your cards just whatever you do because you don't want to get that reputation of someone who's going to fold ace queen to a three bet because you're going to start seeing a lot more three bets right yeah exactly yeah (laughs) well this has been a really good i think we've already uh, teased out a lot of really good information for our listeners um this is a tricky subject so i appreciate you uh, taking your Mm -hmm. time with some of the sort of the nuances around it um, I'm going to put the link to uh, play, uh, train and play like a pros in the show notes here. But if uh, if folks want to get in touch with you personally, um, is Twitter the best way to do it? Or is there uh, an email or, or go to the website? H- how do you like people to reach out? So there's lots of different ways. I think the the best way is probably the Facebook group. Um, mm. So we have a Facebook group that's, I mean, it's growing every day. I have over 4,000 members now. Amazing. And if you're, you know, if you're interested in, you know, uh, getting free strategy advice and and chatting about tournament poker, then it's a it's a great forum um, to to join. Plus, I'm, you know, of course, promoting my programs within this Facebook group. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, message you can message message me on Twitter, but I think most of my communication comes through Facebook. So just a DM on on Facebook, you know, add me as a friend, send me a message, and uh, and let's chat. And I always try to do that with new people coming into the program because mm-hmm. I need to make sure that it's right. Um, we mentioned earlier on about at the moment, not having something for live players. Some players will come and say, this program looks great, but it's not like I don't have a database, so it's not going to be right. But yeah, unfortunately we had like one or two people join the program, even though I'd said like, it's for online players, you need a database. Right. Like, yeah, I've got that. I've got that. And then you find out that they just play on apps or um they don't yeah uh, they don't have the database they said, you know, they said oh, i've got like four or five screenshots of hands like is that going to be okay and you got you know i've got to be kind and say unfortunately not um when i'm thinking like 
I, I'm clearly like I'm the problem, right? I haven't explained the how it works. Well, right. like, that's that's kind of how I think. Whereas in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, am I like really like? Do they think that I can I can like solve all their poker problems by looking at four or five screenshots from a poker app? Like, yeah, it, that, that that gets frustrating. But yeah, so let, that's why I always want to try and chat to somebody new and just make sure like the program's right for you. You're right for the program, um, and and that you're going to get the most out of it because that's what we want at the end of the day. It's not just, uh, you know, just trying to sell you this this product. Uh, this is a, quite a sort of hands-on, you have access to me and other coaches within the group. Um, and there's there's a, there's more like, I guess it's kind of like hand-holding, right? So there's more opportunities for support. Whereas I think, you know, one of the other things we talked about earlier on about why some train, training sites, you know, fall down a little bit where they don't help you identify where you're going wrong. Mm. They also don't give you that support um that support network of you know other members but also coaches in there to to help you and it's not just about you know reviewing your hand like oh how did i play this hand what do you think about this hand it's about setting up the you know the structures and the routines to to improve every day um and and to have this idea of like okay i'm gonna do some study but i'm also gonna do some training and um you know making sure as the name suggests that you're training and playing like the pros well i know we've got a couple rec poker members that are enjoying the course so far um They've both two of them have mentioned to me uh, specifically that it is it does feel more collaborative um, than mm. just like going through a video series. And I think that's one of the strengths that uh, that you and the team there bring to the table, um, because, yeah, you know, anyone can just line up a bunch of videos and, you know, make notes and that will better their game. But I think there's an opportunity cost to doing it with some guidance and with some feedback and really kind of tailoring the the training to your own needs. So uh so it sounds like a great program. I hope I hope more people take advantage of it. Um, so uh, I don't think we actually said it out loud. What's the name of the Facebook group or the fa- I'm not a Facebook guy. So is it is it Gazellig or Gareth James or MTT Poker? What's the name? None of the above. Uh, <laughs> the it's Facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash poker profits. OK. Poker profits. So, folks, uh, go and check that out. Um, get involved in some of the free uh, training material that Gareth puts out there. Join his uh, his group of like-minded uh, players trying to learn and, and to learn in that collaborative way. And um, Gareth, uh, good luck on, on this final table book. I hope uh, we'll have a chance to have you back on the show sometime uh, when it's coming up for publication and uh, maybe sneak it into the book study. I know we've uh, we really look up to you as an author and uh, we'd love to kind of share your learning more widely with the Rec Booker group. Yeah, that would be great. I'd love to come back on and uh, and yeah, tell you all about the book. All right, can't wait. Well, thank you again, Gareth James, and uh, I'm looking forward to next time already. You have a great day. Thank you. You too. Cheers. Take care. Bye bye. All right. Well, I love talking to Gareth James, man. Yeah, I mean, he loves poker. He's so smart about poker. You can tell he's steeped in this game that we all love, and because he has a, a past as an educator. Um, he really knows how to learn. He knows how people learn. So he knows how to teach. He knows how to reach those parts of your brain that other coaches can't reach. Um, so I won't get into some of the details from our conversation, but um, I thought I, I know there's going to be some great knowledge bombs dropped uh, dropped there. So um, like we talked about, the theme of the month was uh, <laughs> the theme of the month was responding to three bets. Um, the theme of the month coming up in December is playing against limpers. Um, so you will be having a chance to talk to some people about uh, playing against limpers. If you've got any questions about playing against limpers, I'm sure limpers are common in the games that we're all playing. Uh, feel free to drop those in the forums over at rec.poker, get a free account there. Um, or you can hit us up on Twitter or just keep on showing up on these uh, on these <laughs> Monday night live recordings because we'll be talking to uh, James Splitsuit Sweeney We'll be talking to Jason Sue. Um, we've got a couple other guests. I want. I don't want to until we have their dates confirmed. I don't want to say who they are, but it's going to be a good month for podcast guests in December. So I think people will have a good time with that. So uh, having a lot of fun here in the YouTube chat. I'm happy to see. Yeah, you can go ahead and start typing in the words "food bank" now. Uh, John Somsky will lead us through the book study. Uh, oh, sorry, John Somsky will lead us through the home game results. Um, and then at the end of that, we can uh, see who's going to win a free month at rec.poker or a $15 coaching credit. And I will say a few of these coaching credit people have, uh, reached out 
And they've made these arrangements to get these discounted coaching sessions with people on the wrecking crew. And I think that's going to be a real uh, a real feather in their cap. I think um, whether it's myself or Taylor or Chris or Tim, um, there's lots of other wrecking crew members who are looking forward to working with you, um, love dealing with recreational players like us that take it seriously. Um, so yeah, uh, we'll do a prize tonight and the winner will either be get, getting a free month at Rec Poker Premium membership or a $15 credit on any of our coaching material there. But in the meantime, we've got some home game results to get to with the one and only John Somsky. Take it away, John. Well, I'm going to start by interrupting myself and tell <laughs> us that we have some exciting new uh, news in the home game land. We are coming up with a couple of new ways to win pins. We are going mm. to have a silver Lifetime Achievement Award pins. And we have several people in the running for winning the very first one. If you win 50 tournaments lifetime, you will win a silver pin. Likewise, we are going to have a gold Lifetime Achievement Award pin. And we're still working out exactly what that number is going to be, but there'll be a way to win that depending upon how many tournaments. And this can be in any of our series that I track. So the fun country doesn't count, Dave, but the oh, rest no. of them, <laughs> the rest of them do. Um, um, I'm getting I'm getting a comment here that maybe your audio is still being uh, an issue for some reason, John. I wonder if uh... I wonder if I just forgot to unmute it. <laughs> that's probably the case there okay so let's let's take um, that from the top <laughs> let's take that from the top okay so we're coming up with a lifetime achievement award pin so you win the first player well actually whoever wins 50 tournaments is going to get a silver pin for lifetime achievements we have three or four players that are in the running for that really close so it'll be interesting to see who can the win the first one we are also working on a way to win a gold pin with lifetime achievement awards and that will also be based upon number of uh wins in the rec poker uh tournament league haven't figured out exactly where that number is going to be just yet in addition next year in sometime in either april or may we are going to have a silver pin winners tournament so that's going to be once a year. And if you've ever won a silver pin, you've qualified to play in it. If you have not won a silver pin like me, you have not qualified <laughs> to play in it. So uh, and the winner of that tournament will also receive a gold pin. Now, this is a lifetime pin. So you win it once. You get one pin. That's it. Mm -hmm. uh, so. If you win it again, then you're just making it more special because no one else can win it that particular year. Even more exclusive. I like that. Exclusive, exactly. All right. Now on to the tournament results. And we're right, going now, to hold start. on. Let me let me interrupt you here just because okay. you, you can't be the only person who interrupts you. It's like part of one of the rules around here. Um, so I just I just want to make sure people understood how cool this is. So uh if if you win 50 rec poker tournaments. In your life, period, you're going to get this lifetime achievement silver pin for just gutting it out and beating other serious recreational poker players in the home game league uh, 50 times. And that, 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 I mean, that's impressive. Some of the, some of the people that have won the most lifetime tournaments um, in the rec poker league, you, let me just say you'll recognize their names and they are, uh, a few of them are approaching that benchmark. So that's fantastic. And then um, the other thing that John mentioned, is going to be an annual silver pin invitational. So no matter when you won a silver pin, if you have a silver pin, um, if you've won it at any point, then you're going to be invited. It's like the Masters. You get to show up, uh, wear, your, uh, wear your green jacket, and uh, that gets you in the door. That'll be an annual tournament. Um, the winner gets this uh, gold pin, which is the real mama of all the pins. Um, and then uh, John mentions also this sort of like this gold pin lifetime achievement award, uh, which will be different. Uh, it'll again have to do with winning a number of tournaments, but it'll be uh, it'll be a different um, a different field sort of a different requirement for that. So this is exciting. We've talked for a while about having some kind of lifetime achievement, some kind of um, reason to bust out the gold pins, and I think 
a few people have really proven that they're, you know, they're taking this seriously. They're learning along with the rest of us. They're having a great time in these home games and they're kicking a lot of butt and uh, that should be recognized. So I'm really excited for this, John. I think it's a great idea and I can't wait to see uh, what happens in our silver pin invitational um, coming up this spring. More details coming. All right. Now we are going to talk about more silver pins for the TOC. <laughs> Played on November 14th, Ivor Big One won yes. his second Tournament of Champions event this year. Wow. I believe, I believe, I'm not sure, but I believe this is the first two-time winner of a TOC. I think you're right. Way to go, Ivor. Um, and, and just what that means, of course, so they won a home game, any of our home games in the month. That got them an entrance into the Tournament of Champions the following month, which is a very exclusive field. And um, uh, and then if you win that, that's how you get that silver pin. You got to beat all the champions from the previous month. So it's no small feat. The only other thing I'll say about that is we actually record the final table of this Tournament of Champions every month. And in the online review and hang, which is on the fourth Wednesday of the month every month, um, we play back that final table video and we all uh everyone who's who's part of it and all our premium members can get together analyze the play hand by hand street by street um so you don't have to be a premium member to take advantage of this if you make the final table of the tournament of champions you'll get a message from me and the website saying congratulations and you have won a free month at rec poker premium so uh, I want you to be able to come and join us uh, at, for our online review and hang, celebrating your amazing play that got you to the final table of the Tournament of Champions. And we also just want to uh, open the doors of, of what's going on at Rec Poker Premium uh, to these killers who are in there making the final table of the Tournament of Champions every month. So if you uh, make the fi- uh, final table of the Tournament of Champions, congratulations. You've won a prize. You're going to get a free month at Rec Poker. And I hope you come and join me in the panel on uh, the 4th. Tuesday, the fourth Wednesday of the month, as we uh, review the play in our online review and hang. And if anyone has any questions about that, you can always just send me an email, jim at rec.poker. All right, John, thank you, my friend. All right, next, we have Evil Roy CA, David Westerveld, won his ninth nightly tournament of the year. Look out for that. Serini, Jim Reed, (gasps) some guy won his first (laughs) nightly tournament. For the year, <laughs> it's true. It was a Tuesday night Opa. Must, I play. Must I play. have been a mistake. It must must have been a even mistake. a blind Absolutely. squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, I did have to get tens in against Jacks and spike a ten on the river. It was the old two outer on the river that got me there. A little luck box action, no doubt. And then we have Jesse Two Shoes. Jesse Two Shoes won his fourth nightly victory for the year. Now. To continue our talk of repeating, Evil Roy C.A., David Westerveld, won his 10th nightly victory of the year on the 17th. And to continue the trend, Jesse Two Shoes, Jesse got his, sorry, the first one is his third. This one is his fourth nightly victory for the year. Mm. Then on the 19th, Noah, with several H's, 1291, (laughs) Noah Anderson. (laughs) <laughs> got his second nightly victory for the year. Poker Geek MN John Zomsky won his Whoa. first victory for the year. That doesn't surprise me at all. Not like <laughs> the uh, Bluffsterini win. That's, Not that's that just a, amazing. <laughs> Whereas yeah. I think John is John is a continual winner at this game every time. It's true. He does like those mixed games. I'll say that. Yeah, although, as I mentioned, this was my first one this year. Mm. So, um, Now, you, you won something last week, I think, as well. Or, or am I, my, uh, is my memory failing me? I thought you were in the winner's circle a couple weeks. Uh, is, well, was it for a nightly? It, it could be. I have won, as of right now, I'll, I'll let you know this. You remember how at the beginning of the year I called my shot, and I said I'm going to win 10 <laughs> tournaments because I am – half as good as Keck Geek 65. You did say that. I said, I am half as good and I can win 10 if he can win 20. And that was my 10th victory for the year. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. There you go. Late November. Well done, sir. Nicely done. (laughs) And then to continue our repeat trend, 
We have Evil Roy C.A. David oh Westerfeld my God. won a his ninth international tournament for the year. And to keep this in mind, this is three tournaments he won this week. That puts him to 42 total lifetime tournaments. So he is only eight away from that previously mentioned 50 mark. So at this rate, three a week, he's about three, (laughs) maybe four weeks away from getting his 50th tournament. I mean, the stats can't be wrong. No. So congratulations, David. Uh, yeah, Dave, Dave. just Dave, like, way to go, man. Like, seriously, Dave is killing it this year, whether it's in the fun country opas on Thursdays uh, or the home game standings. He is having a phenomenal uh, year on the on the E felt on the on the virtual felt. So nicely done, Dave. My hat's off to you, man. Yeah, absolutely. And he'll have to wrestle with uh, Kekik 65 and Megra 44 for who's going to be the first one to make it to that 50, or maybe there'll be a dark horse uh-huh. and someone else will win all of them in a week. And, you know, we run 10 a week. So in that <laughs> case, it'll only take you five weeks to win. That would get you there. That would get you there. <laughs> okay. Then we have Rossi Q, Roz Corto, won her fourth international victory for the year. Nicely done. And Jimmy Boots, Mike Smurden, won the LPP event, so he can contact Jim at rec.poker for his free month at Learn Pro Poker. Yeah, that's right. Send that email, my friend, to Jim at rec.poker. We'll get you all set up. You will love all the amazing uh, training videos that they have over at Learn Pro Poker and great access to Ryan LaPlante and the rest of the uh, Dream Team over there. So send that email, and congratulations on your Sunday win. Um, I just want to review some of the some of the fun chats that's going on here at YouTube right now. So as usual, uh, Phil's giving me the gears, um, but we did get some really helpful tips uh, from the crew here. Uh, everyone in the chat helping us get through our audio issues earlier and some folks having some fun with us, which we definitely deserve. I think my favorite are the ones where uh, we come back from the interview that didn't happen here live. And people are like, great show, Garrett. <laughs> the best interview ever. <laughs> Highly impressed with his knowledge. I love that. <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, and then actually, we got a bunch of people. Uh, oh, yeah. Glad to see Martha back in the chat, says Josh. That's right. Nice to see you, Martha, as always. Uh, it's not the same when you're not here in the chat. Um, we got a few a few more fun so i I will say folks come come join us on these monday nights uh on youtube uh we do the show every 7 30 every monday at 7 30 eastern Uh, we always give away a prize often we have a guest here live in the booth that you can ask your questions of and uh get in there um yeah phil says he's gonna win uh one year for the next 50 years that's a good way to get to 50 and honestly phil that seems sustainable given your level of play uh let's see what else do we have here i i do want to comment that i don't know that we have done a mineral analysis and i have <laughs> no idea how much gold is in those gold pins <laughs> or how much silver is in the silver pins uh, mm-hmm. but i would say i probably wouldn't count on it funding your retirement no and i would say <laughs> that you uh are, it's probably not worth melting them down i won't stop anyone from doing that but uh, my guess is it's more valuable in pin form. All right. Um, all that fun conversation in chat blew some of the uh, food banks out of out of order. There's too many other things in there. So, John, uh, thank you so much for that wonderful update. Why don't we listen to Rob talk about the next book study session? We'll start it right now. So everyone type the words food bank in right now. And uh, this will be the group that we uh, that we uh, go for it. All right. So. Take us away, Rob. You've got, uh, we just finished up. We had the live Q&A session with uh, Daryl yes, Carney we, talking about the last we one. We had the live Q&A with Daryl Carney. It was awesome. He was with us for about an hour. We had six or seven people in there. We gave away his new book to one of our uh, members. Yeah, Eric. I think it was Eric Anderson, if I if I recall. It was. And um, yeah, it was a great great discussion i mean we had a bunch of questions from the members and the people showed up and that were able to ask additional questions we got to talk about his new book review the old book that we just went through so it was amazing and looking forward to the next book is the poker brain by matt matros it's improving your process at the table through optimal and exploitive 
thinking. Um, and if I recall, we've done a book by Matt Matros before, and he also came in, and we were able to do a Q&A with him at the end of the book. And he's very magnanimous. He, he gives away his yeah, the game plan. Uh, he's very magnanimous with his time. He's going to, you know, he can talk about anything and we can ask him any questions we want at the end of this. So starting session one will be Wednesday, December 7th at 7.30 Eastern time. I got to say that because it's 7.30 <laughs> Eastern time. Um, and that's what, so if get the book, it's on Amazon. Um, read the first couple of chapters. I don't know how far we get. We just kind of go until we do about an hour's worth each time. And it's not rigidly by chapter. It's just however the discussion goes. So we get a bunch of people in there. We talk, start talking about the book and we start asking our questions from each other. What did you get from this? What did I get from that? You know, and back and forth. And it's, it's a wonderful experience. The best way to read a book that I've ever found is in these book studies because you get so much just from listening to other people's impressions of what they got out of the book instead of sitting there in your lonely room by yourself reading the book trying to figure it out you can get input from a bunch of other people that are doing the same thing and it makes it so much more enjoyable and so much more uh, educational so join us Wednesday December 7th for the first session of The Poker Brain by Matt Metros. That's right. And, uh, you know, Rob isn't doing himself justice there. Uh, every session, he goes and puts these slides together, summarizing the chapters that we're reviewing. He really leads the conversation. We find a few rabbit holes. Um, and he's not kidding when he's, I mean, I agree. It's the best way to work through a poker book is with friends, with other uh, poker players, trying to... Um, uh, trying to like share your ideas, share your questions with each other, um, share your answers and perspectives with each other. I really do believe it's uh, it's a fantastic way to do it. Um, and if you if you're hearing this and it's it's too late to join the first session, um, as a premium member, you've got access to the entire archives, and we uh, save the recordings of these from previous sessions, so you can go and get caught up and and just join us in in real time when when the session comes around. So. It's twice a month on the first and third Wednesday of every month. And I think it's a great way uh, to learn about poker with friends. And um, I'm just so impressed with the authors that have given us their time. Every time we do this, we get a full hour with the authors afterwards. And this one with Dara really felt like a coaching session. I even got some clarification wow. on. Uh, um, I, and you know what? The key is it, take it from me, folks. You can't be afraid of sounding dumb when you're talking to people who know more than you do about this kind of stuff, like this is the perfect place to come and ask some questions that you might be embarrassed to ask uh, out in public. <laughs> you know, um, I'm never afraid to sound dumb when I'm talking to really smart people about poker. So I asked Dara uh, specifically about a uh, uh, one of the concepts that I was having trouble wrapping my head around this, this, this kind, of, kind of counterintuitive aspect of uh, the bubble factor. Um, and he was just knew exactly what to say to uh, uh, to lay it all straight in my brain. And I can't wait to see what we can get up to with Matt Matros when he comes around to talk about uh, the poker brain, because I know um, I really enjoyed talking to him about the game plan. And I think this is a, a more challenging book than that was. So I, I really am looking forward to that. All right. Well, here we've got it uh, uh, looks like one, two, three, four, five. And good, Eric, I see you got that download. That's fantastic. Um, so starting with Phil, Phil got the lucky number one spot. I'll just say it out loud. So there's no confusion. There's no controversy. <laughs> so this is going to go, uh, Phil, Josh, Joe, Dave, Eric in order. And if we roll a six, I'm going to roll a boring old six sided die. And, uh, uh, well, if we roll a six, we'll just re-roll, but one through five, that's who the winners will be. Let's see who it is. It's a two Josh Campbell. All right. Well, congratulations, Josh. Um, you are already a premium member, I know, so you're going to get a, a month of premium membership anyway, but uh, the prize that you're going to win tonight is a $15 coaching credit that you can apply towards any of the Wrecking Crew uh, coaching um, sessions that are available in there. So send me an email, uh, joshjim at rec.poker, and we'll get you all set up with that. And uh, 
then I think we'll probably just wrap this baby up. Um, I will remind our uh, listeners and our watchers, if you are a premium member, uh, in about an hour, we record the forums edition of the podcast. We don't do those live on YouTube uh, because we talk a little more between the hands. We set them up a little more behind the scenes. It's not quite as uh, as good a live experience as these ones are, as, as this one is. <laughs> um, but our premium members, if you go to rec.poker, right there on the homepage, you can see the calendar of events for this week. And you'll see a recording session for the forums edition of the podcast, which we do basically every other Monday after the chats. And nothing uh, makes us happier than when we get some premium members in there bringing a hand or a forum post of their own to talk about on the air. So I encourage everyone to go and check that out. But um, in the meantime, I just want to thank Gareth James for an outstanding interview that I really enjoyed. <laughs> of course, uh, thank you to uh, Eric, Joe, Phil, uh, Josh, Martha, and Dave in the chat. It's nice to see everyone getting involved in there. Um, thanks to Rob Washam and John Somsky for putting all this together. Thanks to Mark Brashan at Website Amp, uh, the Running Aces Hotel Racetrack and Casino, and of course, you, the listeners. We wouldn't be doing it if it wasn't for you. So thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week. I'm starting to think we might have to, we might have to shorten this outro a little bit. I'm getting a little... There's only so much awkward dancing I can do. Yeah. <laughs> See you, folks. We're out. <laughs>